0: In the heart of Middle America, in the northeast corner of the state of Iowa, there is a small town. A town so tiny it doesn't even have a traffic light. In 1846, Timothy Davis founded that town and he named it Al Qadir after an Algerian Sufi whose exploits had taken the Western world by storm. What might possess a Midwestern American of the 18th century? To name his town after a North African Muslim sheikh. I'm Madasra Ahmed from the Toledo Society, and I'm excited to welcome you to the first episode of a three part series Who Was Emir Abdul Qadir? The Hero of Humanity. Humanity. People might have asked you if I could meet anyone from history, who would it be? Well, I know my answer. It's the Amir, Gadir. Amir means commander of the faithful. It's a title Gadir certainly earned because that's what he was, a commander, but not just that. Amir Gadir was an extraordinary human being who led a phenomenal life, who grew from being an ordinary Algerian Sufi to a world historical figure with a legacy that stretches across four continents. I first stumbled upon Abdul Qadir's legend by listening to a popular song, fittingly enough called Abdul Qadir, by the famous Algerian Rai singer Sheb Khaled, who also sang the very well known song Aisha. I started out curious, just wondering who the lyrics celebrated, and quickly became fascinated. Indeed, when Abdul Qadir died in 1883, the New York Times, Surveyed the remarkable achievements of his life and wrote that he should be counted amongst one of the few great men of the 18th century Abdul Qadir is one of the most interesting people in history yet so few people know about him How did Abdul Qadir become who he was? Why did Abdul Qadir become who he was? How did he end up with a town being named after him in Iowa? Here is what I learned At a time of rampant Islamophobic colonialism, Abdul Qadir profoundly changed how much the Western world and how many Western leaders thought about Muslims. He was an interfaith leader when the world was being divided by wars of religion. Through his laws of war, he helped inspire the Geneva Convention. In fact, his statue is one of two at the headquarters of the International Red Cross in Geneva. His life was marked by adventure, courage, resilience, compassion, and, above all, faith in God and dedication to humanity. Abdul Qadir was born in 1808 in the town of Mascara, in what is today Algeria, and what was then the westernmost frontier of the declining Ottoman Empire. He came of age in his father's zawiya, which is a kind of Sufi lodge. Like other students in the lodge, he was educated traditionally theology, Sharia, Arabic language, and grammar. By the age of five, Abdul Qadir could read and write. By the age of 14, he had memorized the Quran, earning the title of Hafiz, or protector of scripture. A year later, Abdul Qadir went on to advanced study and was praised for his oratory, his way with poetry and his skill in debating. So he was by the standards of then and now a pretty smart guy, but maybe not so different from the other smart guys of his time. But he was determined for greater things because in the distance a storm was brewing. Europe was rising and the colonial project was scrambling to plunder Africa. The French looked south across the Mediterranean, and saw a valuable prize in Algeria. In 1830, the French invaded. Despite valiant resistance under Hussein Day, the Ottomans faltered, and Algeria was conquered. Desperately, the local population searched for a champion to expel the invaders. Abdul Qadir would be that hero. Just two years later, His people elected him Emir, or Commander of the Faithful. And only a year after that, Abdelkader had succeeded in uniting the tribes of the region, bringing solidarity in a land that had been insecure and unstable. In 1834, Abdelkader's forces and the French signed the Treaty of Desmiquel, which further cemented his reputation as a leader of his people. Not only was Abdelgader a military commander, though he actually was a thoroughly decent man, his impeccable character meant even his enemies spoke highly of him. It was said that the generous concern, the tender sympathy he showed his prisoners, was almost without parallel in the history of war. He even showed great respect for the religion of any captives, which as you know, something even modern day leaders have had a really hard time with. But despite his brilliance as a leader, his personal character and his skills as a tactician, he was unable to militarily defeat the French. Indeed, within two decades of the colonial invasion, Abdul would be a captive of the French. A lesser person would have given in to his circumstance and turned to random violence or depression. But Abdul Gader did not, not just because of his upstanding character, but because he had a greater plan too. Abdul Gader understood that the time for military conflict had passed and the task of the time was to convince the colonial power of the humanity of its subjects. He did so and became in captivity a still greater hero a living legend on the world stage, a Muslim celebrity in a xenophobic Christian Europe. It so happens that the way Abdelkader lived his life in captivity so moved his jailers that it led to his release. Forbidden from returning to his native Algeria, he travelled instead to Bursa in today's Turkey. And then in 1855, he left for Damascus, in what was then also part of the Ottoman Empire. Settled in Damascus, he turned his energies to his passion for theology and philosophy. It was during this time he wrote one of his most famous works, The Arabian Horse. As it happens, a horse named Abdul Qadir, called Little Ab by the racing public, was twice winner of the British Grand National Steeplechase in 1850 and 1851. In fact, little Ab was the first repeat winner of the steeplechase. But back to Abdelgadir. While he might have thought he was going to live a low-key scholarly life with his family, his exile in Damascus was interrupted again by conflict. Whilst Abdul Abdelgadir had warned the French ambassador and officials in Damascus of the growing potential for violence, his pleas had fallen on deaf ears. In 1860, a conflict between the Druze and the Maronite Christians of Mount Lebanon reached Damascus. Over 3,000 Christians were killed in a brutal massacre, which the local authorities were unable or perhaps unwilling to stop. In the midst of this chaos, Abdul Qadir sent his eldest sons out into the streets to offer Christians shelter In his very own home despite considerable risk to himself and to his family a french newspaper reported eyewitness christian accounts of abdul kader's intervention we were in dire straits all of us quite convinced that our last hour had arrived in that expectation of death in those indescribable moments of anguish heaven however sent us a savior abdul kader appeared Surrounded by his Algerians, around 40 of them, he was on horseback and without arms. His handsome figure, calm and imposing, made a strange contrast with the noise and disorder that reigned everywhere. When rampaging crowds armed with swords and blades arrived at his door, Abdul Qadir greeted them with a speech which is still recited in the Middle East you pitiful creatures abdul Qader shouted is this the way you honor the prophet muhammad god punish you shame on you shame the day will come when you will pay for this i will not hand over a single christian they are my brothers just a quick note regarding toledo society 1400 omg is one podcast in a network of podcasts called toledo society to find out more, visit toledosociety.com. When the writing in Damascus abated, Abdul Qadir led humanitarian efforts to assist the beleaguered Christians of the region. The French were so moved that he was awarded the Grand Cross of the Legion of Honor. This was not his only recognition the Amir Abdul also received the Grand Cross of the Redeemer from Greece, the Order First Class from the Ottomans, the Order of Pius from the Vatican. Even United States President Abraham Lincoln thought fit to honor him with a gift as well. Basically, everyone knew about Abdul and the way that he had saved the lives of people unlike himself. When Timothy Davis, John Thompson... And Chester Sage were founding a town in northeastern Iowa in the 1840s. They called it El Qadir, impressed by Abdul Qadir's resistance to foreign rule and the noble character which they felt resonated with American values. Why all this attention then and now? Well, Abdul Qadir was a special person. He was the same in victory as he was in defeat. He acted in private the way he did in public. He felt the good fight but he was wise enough to recognize when the battle was up. But in defeat, he didn't turn to extremism or lash out at the world. He rededicated himself to peace, to finding new ways of bringing people together. In exile, he studied, he taught, and he saved lives, the lives of people very different to himself. Abdul Qadir's ability to combine religious and political authority has led to his being acclaimed as a saint among princes and the prince among the saints. At the same time, he's not an uncomplicated guy. Abdul Qadir was not a so-called moderate because he fought back against the French occupation of his homeland. At the same time, he was not an extremist because throughout his life, On the battlefield and off, he spoke of the Christians and Muslims as brothers in humanity. Abdul Qadir, it must be remembered, set up his own state in western Algeria. He employed Christian and Jewish advisors, not in spite of his Muslim faith, but because of it. His main grievance was with foreign occupation, and not the French culture or Christian religion. Indeed, he made peace with the French, though the French later violated that truce by invading his lands yet again. Even given such treachery, Abdul Qadir sought out a priest to minister to his Christian prisoners. He even gave them back their freedom when he could no longer feed them. Like Salahuddin, he was glorified by his allies and celebrated by his enemies. Basically, Abdul Qadir was a man who lived on his own terms, committed to the values he believed in, and that mattered to me, you see, because I grew up as a Muslim and a Westerner, at a time when many people believed these things were incompatible. For a long time, I looked for someone who might help me navigate the confusion of modern life, someone who stood up for values I could believe in, who held true to himself and dedicated himself to breaking boundaries. In Abdul Qadir, I found more than I bargained for. From the Toledo Society, I am Madas Ramid, and you've been listening to episode one in a three-part series who was Amir Abdul Gadir, the hero of humanity? In the next episode, we will look at the phenomenal legacy of Abdul Gadir, the transformative way in which he made his mark on four continents.